This is the Child Discipleship Podcast powered by Awana. My name is Ross Cochran, and I am so grateful that you are here today. I am joined by Pastor Darren Whitehead. Darren, welcome to the show, sir. It is so great to talk to you. You and I have been having, um, we've done about 20 minutes of the show before the mic even started. So um, it's grateful to try. I'm I'm exhausted now. I kind of (laughs) No, it's great to be here. Thank you, Ross. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, um, you and I are talking uh, a few weeks in advance of this year's Child Discipleship Forum, where you are going to be a speaker. If folks want to learn more about the Child Discipleship Forum specifically, I would encourage them to check out the show notes wherever they're listening. Um, and I want to start really quickly just there, not specifically about the forum, but about gathering leaders. You are someone who's been a senior pastor for a long time, and you are someone who has been invested in discipleship as sort of the core foundation of your ministry from everything that I've been able to see in preparing for this conversation. Can you speak to the importance of coming together united in a mission when it becomes so easy as a leader to become isolated and trying to do it all by yourself? There's something really powerful about getting among peers who are like-minded. You know, ministry is hard. I've been a pastor for 25 years. Honestly, it's never not been hard. Mm. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're new to it, let me just right-size your expectations. This is a hard line of work. And, um, you know, it's <sighs> leading a bunch of people. Um, uh, a lot of people have, have what's a psychological term is transference. So if they have if they've had a problem with a previous leader or a parent or an authority figure, they transfer all of their issues over onto you and you inherit things that you don't even know about. It's, it's difficult. And, and I think the other, sometimes people ask me, do I think that pastoral ministry is more difficult than other lines of work? And there are other hard jobs. So, you know, being a ER doctor is a difficult job, but I do think there is one distinction. I think there is spiritual opposition in this line of work. And so, you know, your family, you feel spiritual opposition. I, I say all of that to say getting among other people who do what you do is so good for your soul. And in many ways, we trade in inspiration and encouragement. And when you're discouraged, you can't be the pastor or the leader or the parent or the spouse that you really want to be. So having a soul encouragement strategy is really, really important. And getting among like-minded people and being inspired again with fresh vision and ideas and dreams is so imperative. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself, which is why I'm glad I asked someone like you. Um, I think it's it's one of those things that people realize, and it becomes so easy to say, yeah, I'll invest in myself later. Yeah, I'll invest in my leadership later. I'll invest in finding community later. And what I hope people hear from that, especially if you are new to this, is someone like Darren who has walked the walk is saying, no, do it now. In whatever that context looks like, we're here because of the context of the Child Discipleship Forum. Like, Make sure to prioritize it and do it quickly because your ministry and the rest of your context, the rest of your life is going to depend on it. Um, yeah, that's right. Now, you are the senior pastor of Church in the City, uh, which Church of the City, which is in Franklin, Tennessee. 
and you've yes. been that opened in 2013, but you, like you said, you've been doing this for quite a long time. I had the privilege of speaking to members from your children's ministry team uh, last season of the podcast. People can listen to that conversation, which is also linked in the show notes. Now, like I said, discipleship is very much at the foundation of everything you talk about, everything you write about, everything you speak about. But when, as a senior pastor, particularly of a larger church, how are you and your day-to-day responsibilities staying connected to what's happening in a children's ministry? Well, it's a number of different ways. Uh, you know, I, I was a uh, student ministry pastor for the first 10 years okay. of my 25 of doing this. So I, I really, I have a heart for um, the next generation. My, my story was really an awakening, spiritual awakening in my teenage years. And I feel that that is a gift from God because I, I kind of understand in my brain what happened in me and I want that to happen in other people. You know, it's, mm. it's just my story. Physically, the, uh, the children's ministry and our student ministry are right outside my office. I see them all every single day and, awesome. uh, and interact with them every day. Uh, we just came from a staff meeting a moment ago where um, we were talking about several things that we've done over the summer in both our kids' ministry and our student ministry. Um, I I got to speak at our summer camp this year. So I, I like to stay pretty connected to to what they're doing. And I, I mean, it's just it's just imperative. And uh, we try to, as as often as we can, sync up the entire content of of you know infants through adults and go through the same thing at the same time so that families can actually have conversations about the different content that we're going through as a, as a church now that's that's one of those you know we're, we're diving into the weeds here pretty quickly that's one of those things that i feel like is pretty common or has become increasingly common yeah but that i would imagine there's several folks who are listening who may feel like that's out of reach for them for one reason or another to speak specifically to other senior pastors can you dive a little bit further into why taking the time to connect those dots to make sure that what you're talking about on the pulpit matches what the leader is sharing with the infant why that Mm -hmm. matching really matters yeah well i will say that of the 25 years I've been in this line of work, um, only 12 of them have been a senior pastor, right? So so 13 of them I was not a senior pastor, 12 of them I have been. And I would say that I grossly underestimated the gap between being a pastor on staff and being the senior pastor on staff. I, I mm. grossly underestimated the weight of, of the job of being the, the guy that's the point leader. So I was far more judgy before I was in this role. You know, I'd just be like, why, why is he not giving more attention to this? Why is he not engaging this? Why is he not giving more focus on this? I was, I was a lot more judgy. Then I got in this chair and I was like, dang, there's a lot pulling from you. There is, there is a lot of urgent. There is a lot of things that I never even had access to until I became a senior pastor. So on, on that side, I'm, I'm, I'm infinitely more 
uh, sympathetic to the role and, and the and the the number of things that are pulling on you as you are the point leader. We are we, we have a discipleship crisis going on in in Western Christianity, mm-hmm. and we have a massive massive number of of what we are currently producing who will not continue in their faith into adulthood. And, and probably if people are watching this, listening to this, they know that. And that's one of the reasons that they're engaging all of this. But what we have been doing is not working. And research finds that the most crucial time for someone to uh, engage and grow in their faith, faith being their own, is, is 13 and below. Um, Statistically, if you do not become a believer before the age of 13, statistically, you won't. Yeah. Of course, we have evangelism to adults and teenagers and all of that, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the overwhelming statistics are that if if you do not have faith that is your own before 13, you, you will not become a believer. Now, that means that a disproportionate amount of importance must be applied to that zero to 13 age group. Um, just if we want to be effective in, in, in discipling people in, in the gospel, in building the church, in the future of the church. So, you know, I, I think that if someone is listening to this and they're going, my, you know, my, my pastor is, is, is not even thinking like this, I would probably, if I was trying to persuade a pastor and I was a, you know, in the, in that role, I would probably have a meeting, I would begin with empathy and talk about how hard his job is. Mm. And then I would probably talk about, you know, if if someone doesn't come to Christ before the age of 13, statistically they won't, what can we be doing to doubling down and, and really having a strategy where we're giving disproportionate amount of 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 investment in this in this age and, and see what happens. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where it's it's a combination of Almost like a, I mean this in the most loving way possible to all of you, but it's like it's Christian niceness, right? Where it's yes, this no that they know, they know, they know what I'm feeling, and it's like no, they don't actually. And taking right. the time to communicate actually is going to make a difference. And what I what I hear anecdotally, what a lot of you have communicated to us at Awana, is when you actually have those conversations with your senior pastor and lead with empathy, like what Darren's suggesting, you find that that gap isn't actually nearly as big as you thought it was. I completely agree with that. And you find that that pastor really wants to do those things. Right. But often feels in many ways, just frankly, ill-equipped. Yeah. Because, you know, it would be easy for someone in your position, even with the sort of (laughs) origin story that you have, to look at the team that you have, you you have a very uh, capable, well-resourced team and be like, they got it. Yeah. I'm going to go do these things. I'm going to go focus on these pulls. But you have stayed invested in making sure that the discipleship of kids matches and is you, you use, use the phrase like that we are very almost doubly focused on that investment because that really matters. Yeah. Why do you think that um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll ask the question this way. You, when you spoke at our, our first CDF back in 2021, and you used this phrase, you were talking about it earlier, about the disproportionate amount of young people who are leaving the church. Mm-hmm. There's part of me that wonders how much that has always been true. And we just didn't have the data. You said the phrase, what we're doing isn't currently working. How do you begin to articulate how much we're aware of that, particularly in an area like yourself where there's a lot of churches and the conversation, at least talking about these types of issues, happens in a lot of coffee shops, kind of wherever you look? Mm -hmm. Well, your hypothesis could be correct. Um, Ineffective discipleship for decades, not just a current phenomenon. And that we now have, I, I think there was one study that I read said that 42 million people will leave the church by 2050. Yeah. So, you know, that's not great news. <laughs> so, uh, of course, we've got to be rethinking what else. I do think one of the distinctives that is different today than even 15 years ago was um, the smartphone. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. We're talking days now, not months, till we kick off the third annual Child Discipleship Forum, September 21st and 22nd in Nashville. West Coast, East Coast, Deep South, up North listeners, you don't need a plane ticket. Register your team now and join us online. We've tailored both days so you'll get a full learning experience and interactive participation with online guests across the country. But if you do live within a few hours of Nashville, you got to get here. Just hop in the car, bring a friend or fly solo if you can't coordinate schedules. We've got a few seats left. So register today at childdiscipleshipforum.com. You'll soak in two days with Bible-minded thought leaders, authors, and artists, plus hundreds of ministry leaders to connect with over the challenges and joys of shaping children's faith in this culture. These are the most intentional child discipleship conversations you'll have all year. So don't miss out. The 21st and 22nd of this month. Sign up at childdiscipleshipforum.com. I do think that we're going to look back at this time in history and this is going to be like a before and after moment. You know, I've heard some say that the the smartphone is the cigarettes of our generation. You know, Uh, we recently, you know, we we talk a lot about counterformation here around here because we want to begin with an assumption that the world is actually discipling our kids more effectively than the church. So kids aren't neutral. The kids are being discipled by Disney and by Netflix and by TikTok and, you know, user-generated content and, you know, dumb videos that are, that are, that are drive me crazy when I see my kids watching, <laughs> you know. And not in a and not in an alarmist way. Yes, there's plenty of alarming things that we could spend the next 12 hours talking about. But yes. just to really drill down, it, our kids are not in a neutral environment. Exactly. Just, they're being discipled better than the church is discipling them. Yeah, the kids kids are being discipled. Yeah. Kids and actually kids are being discipled very effectively. Yeah. Just not by Christians. Yeah. 
And I'm talking specifically about the context of the West. But uh, so I do think that there is a distinctive and it is probably largely the last 10 years, but the, the introduction of smartphones and these devices, these interactive devices, um, there is research that is showing that it is actually stunting development in brains of children and that it is distinctive to television. Television does not have the same impact as having a smart device up that you can interact with and so, you know, the idea of uh, a, of a family being at dinner in a restaurant and their kids having an iPad each, there is research that is showing that that is actually stunting some development in, in brains, you know. And I think we're going to learn a lot more about this in the coming years. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot more that's going to, that, that, that's going to be proven in that. But my, my point is, I think that the, the, the discipleship effectiveness of the world is infinitely more intense than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think so much of that is coming from social media and smart devices. It's, it's cutting down interaction with families and, you know, discipleship has to happen uh, on a, on a, on a personal basis. You know, we, we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. So parents are reproducing themselves and uh, and if if less and less and less life on life is happening because kids have their 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 eyes buried in glowing rectangles, um, that is a that is actually a crisis. I think that we are that we are coming against. Yeah, there's a it's <laughs> I don't know a, a almost grace in the sense of the weakness of discipleship that so many folks who are leading the church right now that they themselves were given. Right. right. Odds are, like you said earlier, you person who's listening to this, you were brought up in the church. You met the Lord before the age of 13 in whatever language is appropriate for your church context. You can send your angry emails about um, that, that terminology I just gave to Ross at Awana.org. Um, <laughs> and, but you yourself were not necessarily discipled. And now you're listening to Darren and I talk and you're like, that sounds great. I don't know how to do that. Right. And I start that by just simply saying, it's okay. Yes. Very few of us do. Right. But we have to move from this place of just talking about the fact that we don't know to leaning into what God has said and just getting started with what he has given us. And in a case right. like yours, or in a context like yours, in the context of your church, I would imagine one of the things that you're able to see coming from the type of community you come from or working in the type of community that you work in when kids experience those relationships and kids are getting unplugged from those devices, you're able to see some fruitfulness where parents are going like, Oh, like my kid doesn't feel as rushed in this church. My kid doesn't feel as, um, my kid feels so connected to that loving, caring adult, to use the language we would use around here. Can you speak to the culture of discipleship you've been able to build a church, the city, and how that permeates against some of the effective worldly discipleship that you were just elaborating for us? Yeah, so we think about it in two ways. We think about what kids are being exposed to in terms of worldly discipleship or content, and then what are they being exposed to in terms of our strategy for helping them grow in the way of Jesus, discipling them? 
And so we did something that we've never done before. We did this. This is an experiment we did this year. First time we've ever done this. And, and some of it came out of, we start every year by taking the first 21 days and we have a time of, of prayer and fasting. We, and so the first 21 days of the year, I think fasting might be the most neglected practice uh, in the modern world, in, in modern Christianity. And so we sort of bring that to the forefront again. And, and we talk about well, the spiritual practice of fasting from food. And what does that look like and how does that help engage experiencing the presence of God and your prayer life and all of that kind of stuff. It's a great way to start the year. But a lot of people were kind of going, well, I'm going to fast from, you know, something else. I'm going to fast from TV or I'm going to fast from my phone. And 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 I, I thought that's, a, that's cool. That is not what biblical fasting is, but I think that's important. So I said to everyone, we're going to do this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you want to do it in different ways, you certainly can. But later in the year, we are going to do a church-wide digital media fast. Mm. And so in the month of May, so we've never done this before. I didn't know what it was going to be like. But the month of May, we did several weeks of teaching. I did a talk called The Price of Your Device. We, we, we talked about how devices are shaping us and forming us and discipling us and how it's impacting our spiritual formation, our relationships with one another, our presence to one another, um, the impact of that in, in, in the way that we relate to God, discretionary thought time, our prayer life, the impact of all of these things, right? Try to peel back the layers and just have that conversation. So we, we, we had several weeks of, of, of teaching about that. And then we, we led our entire church into the month of May was a digital media fast. And we gave them a bunch of criteria on what that actually looks like. Ross, it was amazing. Mm. So it, it was amazing for me. It was amazing. So, so we were telling people like either make your smartphone dumb. And so that is you get rid of all of the apps that are distraction apps. This includes email and news apps and social media. And you basically want to dumb it all the way down where it is just making calls, texting and taking pictures. Right. Or, Use a different device completely. Use a use a dumb phone device completely. I I ended up using a product called the Light Phone. Yeah, and um and and just moved to that completely. And, and so we had a a series of criteria. People could not watch TV as well. A lot of people did that as well. But for thirty days. But what happened is it moved the conversation of content consumption to the forefront, and families and teenagers and kids. We're all giving up their smartphones for the month of May. Uh, we, we had thousands of people who participated in this. And it is one of the most practical and fruitful things that we have ever done. Mm -hmm. And tons of people have never gone back to where they were before. Like I, I never put social media back on my phone. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't ever go on social media. It just means that when you pull up to the stoplights, you're not doom scrolling on Instagram, you know? And uh, so uh, it, it, it had a profound effect. So I, I, that's a very, very long way of saying we are having a discussion about managing content consumption inputs. And then we want to look at what, what kind of, what, what is our strategy and, and do we find it adequate or proportionate to the worldly discipleship that, 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 that they're up against as well. So one of these things came out of COVID 
And when we weren't even meeting together as a church, we started um, to be, we started what's called a formation journal. And, and you were alluding to the fact that people are just sort of like, I don't know where to start. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to have a higher degree of Bible engagement, but they weren't taught that when they were younger. And so they look at the Bible and they go, where do I begin? And one of the simplest things that we could do is give them a guide for every day. And so we give them, we produced very analog. We produced a journal called the Formation Journal. And as an entire church, we are in the same passage of scripture every day together. And we give that to them. We also produce um, a short 10 minute or less video that we push out every morning. And, and it comes to their phone at 5 a.m. And it's a video that they can watch that is one of our pastors also in the same very text of scripture, just in, engaging it. Like, what is the Lord speaking to you about? So um, that had a massive impact on the adults in our church. But the impact is then we then started to produce a kid's version of that as well. Because when kids are watching their parents engage God's word every day, it just becomes, you're essentially giving to that kid what that parent didn't have. Yeah. And that is a model of, of certainly, it's, it's not full discipleship, but it's Bible engagement, which is a, which is a very good part of, of, of discipling people. Yeah. And so one of our goals is, you know, if we talk about that zero to 13, we want to help these children establish a daily habit of Bible engagement before 13. Hey, before we get back to this episode, I need your help. You know, we want this podcast to serve you and your ministry in the best way possible, but to do that, I need to learn a little more about you. So wherever you're listening, you'll see a link for a survey. And if you answer those questions about yourself and your ministry, that will dramatically help the show. And to make it even more worthwhile, we'll randomly select a few folks who fill out the survey and thank them with an Amazon gift card. Full details and rules are in the show notes. So thank you for listening. And now let's get back to the conversation. So that's just one of the things that we've been doing in terms of limiting the amount of worldly discipleship and, and, and thinking intelligently about that exposure. And then increasing the amount of Bible engagement because, you know, if you don't think about that, you have generally you have a kid who, who, who goofs around on TikTok all week. You know, uh, the average time on a smartphone across all ages is about five hours now. You get certain kids, Gen Z, like if they have a phone, it can be seven hours, eight hours, nine hours is staring at this thing. This is forming people. So they're, they're spending seven hours doom scrolling on TikTok, which is highly addictive. And then they get a Bible lesson once a week for, you know, 45 minutes. That is utterly inadequate for forming children as disciples in the way of Jesus. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> um, goodness gracious. So 
a lot of what Pastor Darren just talked about, I will make sure is available in the show notes wherever you're listening, because I want to make sure that this conversation doesn't stop. Um, and you, where people aren't listening and going, wow, that was a really good thing that Darren just said. I want to make sure that you're able to try these things. You're able to yeah. take what we're talking about and see what works for your context. I think it's I'm actually, oh, go ahead. I'm actually working on a resource right now. I'm writing a book called the digital fast awesome. and it would be a guide for churches to do together. And one of the things we learned, I, I, I've not heard of a church that's done this. Maybe there are other churches that have done this. But one of the distinctives that was really interesting is doing a, a digital fast as a community. Like the church is yeah. uniquely positioned to do this. People have done this before. They're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting off Instagram or I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not using my, my smartphone for the next month or whatever. It's one thing to do it on your own. It's another thing when all your friends are doing it, when all your kids' friends are doing it. Like it's it's just this communal experience where you're all stepping back from this together. You're talking about it all the time. You're laughing about it. You're talking about withdrawals that you might be having. <laughs> I actually think that the church is the ideal place for this experience. And it is a jolt to the system. And it is able to, in many ways, reboot the way that you are consuming media. Yeah. So anyway, that's, stay tuned. We're going to be, uh, I want to release that later in the year. Yeah. Well, I mean, also stay tuned because it'll be a good excuse for me to have you back on. Um, because what I love particularly about these resources and what you're describing is it provides these handles no matter where you're coming to this conversation on, right? I think some people are particularly scared, right? They hear TikTok and they just think like, oh, my kid's brain is just like rotten. It's mush, right? And there's right. this like sort of, um, it's become this enemy, right? And then you have this, um, what I think most folk live in, which is just, I don't understand this. Like, this is just, yeah. uh, this wasn't built for me. And yeah. we're able, to, we let kids consume media more than we should simply because it wasn't built for us. It outpaces us. And That's therefore, right. we can't keep up with them. Yeah. So coming together as a community is the perfect way to sort of be able to look at a loving, caring adult who has the influence to speak into your kid who maybe is, you know, person who's listening, maybe they're more invested in technology than you are. And they're able to have that conversation that you don't feel equipped to have. When we talk about discipleship, there's one thing that I want to make sure we address specifically. I'm asking a lot of people this question, which is we did this study with the children's ministry with the Barna group called children's ministry in a new reality last year. And in that, those amongst those surveyed, um, what we discovered was that there's this gap, similar to the gap between children's ministry leaders, generally speaking, and senior pastors. There's this gap between parents' view on the role of the church in the discipleship of their kids and those who are discipling those kids on a Sunday morning. According to the data, it was about it was a plurality, about 51, 52% of parents believed that um, the church was the primary disciple maker of the child. Mm -hmm. Compare that to 95% of children's ministry leaders who believe that the parent 
was the primary deceptive maker of the child. Yeah. Now, when I see that based on what we're talking about, it speaks to one, there's clearly, there, that's a root cause of some of this ineffective discipleship because it becomes that Spider-Man meme where everybody's pointing at each other and therefore yeah. the discipleship's not happening. But two, the more important conversation, I think, is we as a church need to shift from just going, hey, parent, you're the primary disciple maker, to actually helping them get equipped. When you look at some of the things your church is doing to go from this business of, to be about this business of counterformation, what do some of those, for lack of a better term, light bulb, light bulb moments look like for parents? When they go, okay, you've told me this, but now I feel equipped on how to do this because I know you're running with me as I try to figure this out with my kids. Yeah. Well, this is a function of what we've talked about in the past or earlier. And, and that is that, that the world and the world's techniques are discipling Christians better than the, the church is or better than Christians are. Yeah. Because in every other aspect of your life, if you want your child to develop in a certain area, you hire a coach, you outsource it, right? Mm. So, you know, and, and, and even the entire education system is that you're like, like you, we delegate the education of our children to schools, to professional teachers, and we drop them off at school, like teach my kid math. And if you're wanting your child to be better at soccer, you get a soccer coach, you know, yeah. like, so we, we constantly, the, the American life is is outsourcing the development of our children to experts. And so without having this, this, this uh, conversation, the default in our brains is, well, there are, there are children's workers that have been to seminary and they understand how to teach the Bible. And so I'm going to find the best ones of those and they're going to teach my kid a spiritual life or teach my kid the Bible. The problem is, and what we have learned is that that is utterly ineffective for making disciples. It might look good on paper because it works when you're teaching your kid how to play violin, but it doesn't work when you are reproducing a, a, a disciple of Jesus. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, a parent will teach what they know, but they will reproduce who they are. And so we've certainly got to bring this conversation to the forefront. And I have preached multiple times this idea that parents, you are the primary discipler of your children and that the church is supplemental. The, 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 the church is a partner in all of that. It doesn't mean that the, that the church should do nothing. It doesn't mean that the church should have a, um, you know, a, a terrible kids ministry or, or, or whatever. Like we want to do the best that we possibly can, but at every turn, we want to be involving parents. We want to be cultivating conversations to take place. So again, during COVID, we were trying to ask ourselves, what are the unique, like this is hard and scary and we're not sure what's going to happen, but but what are the unique opportunities that we have here? And one of the unique opportunities was that families, instead of being split up when they go to church, families were together at home. And so we started to create um, family-centric spiritual conversations where we're, we're equipping the parents 
to be able to ask their kids open-ended questions. And then they would just have a discussion uh, about scripture or about the Lord. And um, that was actually really, really great. And we got tons of great feedback on that. And so we continue a lot of that when, when our kids on a Sunday are a part of our ministry, we give parents uh, questions that they can be asking their kids about the experience that they had. We just want to be moving spiritual conversations to the family rather than outsourcing it just to the church. And then you get back in the minivan and you just go to go to lunch, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be equipping parents where they can engage. We want to we want parents to to feel themselves that they are the primary discipler of their children. Well, that shifts our attention to rather than just teaching kids Bible stories, we've got to be equipping parents to be teaching kids Bible stories or engaging the, the scripture. Yeah. And I, and every conversation I have with folks from Church of the City reflects that y'all are doing that really well. Um, so well, we you. don't. I mean, this is discipleship. There's no silver bullets, right? Yeah. Like like discipleship is is a slow burn. We 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 live with this addiction to instant results, instant gratification. Um, you know, even the the phrases that we use in Christendom, we want to have impact. Impact is the idea of something immediately happening. You know, like discipleship is the the metaphor the Apostle Paul uses is like it's like exercise. It is it is a slow transformation over the course of an extended period of time. Yeah. So, I, you know, we're trying to do that, and uh, you know, these are just some initiatives that we have started to implement and we'll know if it works like 10 years from now, right? <laughs> Not next week. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we've got to ask ourselves like the, 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 the children that are coming through our ministry and growing up in the, in the families that they're growing up in, will really get our report card when they are, when they leave the home. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not really how they're doing now. Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard All Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.